Hello, listeners of Channel 88.1 FM, KFHC, Ponca Sioux City, and KOIA Storm Lake. Thank you so much for tuning in to Faith in Action. I'm your host, Joanne Fox, and um, I'm thinking it might be a Monday at 9 a.m. for you, or it might be a Saturday at 7 p.m., or maybe you went to our website, SiouxlandCatholicRadio.com, and clicked on Faith in Action, and so you're listening at your convenience, or possibly you went to a number of other podcasting platforms, and uh, our favorite is YouTube, and uh, you can listen in that way as well. And we are able to do those things because of the support of the exclusive underwriter of this show, Mary's Choice, a pregnancy resource center in Sioux City that does so many wonderful things for so many people that uh, are maybe uh, experiencing some challenges in their family life, in an unexpected pregnancy. And Mary's Choice has long stepped up to the plate to be supportive. And that's why we are so grateful that they see value in what we do here. And we, in turn, are very happy to promote them as well. So as you know, listeners, uh, a lot of this show is about me, and I love interviewing people about experiences that I think are fascinating, interesting, intriguing, and then I like to share them with my listening audience. And I always joke for years, I used to go up to Holy Spirit Retirement Home, and I would see my good, good friend, Father Al Grendler. And this was every Thursday we'd have coffee. And we would solve world problems, and that included the field of journalism, the state of the affairs of the church, and international politics. And we always chuckled that at the end of the coffee, we'd look at each other and say, yet again, we were unable to solve the whole crisis in the Mideast. We could not figure out how to have peace in the Mideast. Always eluded us. Well, uh, listeners, I know you're savvy. You certainly have been following the news about what is going on now in the Mideast. It's uh, heartbreaking. It's, um, it, it, it's a concern. And so it's interesting that I actually know of a couple of people who traveled to Jerusalem and kind of got stuck there and had to find their way back. And so that's who I have on the show today. And so I want to welcome Dr. Mike Wolpert and his wife, Joanna Wolpert, and that's why I have them on the show. So thank you both so much for taking time out of your schedule to share this experience with our listeners. You're very welcome. So we'll just start out, and Mike, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? You know, I was, uh, uh, I'm, I grew up in Ottawa, Iowa, uh, along with my uh, brothers and sisters. There were nine of us total, and uh, following uh, graduation from uh, high school, I proceeded to uh, uh, go to Creighton University, where I uh, went to undergraduate there and got a degree in biology, and then I proceeded on to medical school for four years, and then I did a uh, five-year general surgery residency at, at Creighton University Affiliated Hospitals, and then I was uh, looking for a job, and I found a uh, job with my brother Paul in Sioux City, and uh, I spent uh, 1980 uh, to... Uh, uh, 2018, providing uh, uh, general surgery uh, as well as uh, trauma care for the people of Siouxland. And then you retired in 2018, if I remember correctly? Yes, and that, uh, in all honesty, it drove me nuts. 
to be <laughs> retired. I went back to work and worked for two years in Omaha with a pain specialist. Okay. And I got to know you not only through uh, your brother Paul, but your brother John, but also uh, you were integral in uh, being part of the trauma center at Mercy when uh, to the uh, crash of United Airlines Flight 232 took place here in Siouxland. Yes, that's, that's correct. I was uh, in a room with a patient, and uh, I just related to her that I had uh, uh, received a phone call, uh, and I was just about ready to tell her that she had cancer, and I, I told her that uh, I just had received a phone call that there was a United Airlines plane that was just, that was in trouble and it was going to probably make, try to make a crash landing in the, in Sioux City, so I had to excuse myself and uh, uh, I proceeded over to the hospital. And uh, when I got there, uh, I looked over my shoulder and I saw a, a big plume of smoke at the uh, airport. So, but within 20 minutes, we started receiving uh, patients and. Uh, sending them to different parts of the hospital, some directly to surgery, and some we had, we were able to manage uh, uh, their injuries in the emergency room and uh, elsewhere. And it was quite an event for all of us that were on site here um, and, you know, covering it as a journalist. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of the way, listeners, that I first uh, learned about. Dr. Mike. So thank you for that little brief bio sketch on yourself and that little walk down memory lane for me. So Joanna, um, your turn. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, I was born and raised in Kansas City. And from the age five, I knew that I wanted to be a nurse. And I did become a nurse. And that's how I met Mike. Um, down to the Children's Hospital where I worked in Kansas City, and um, and we met. That's how we met, and uh, and then eventually uh, I moved with Mike after we got married to the Sioux City area after being in Omaha while he completed his residency for about a year and a half, and I found that uh, working. Uh, as I did uh, in the nursery intensive care, that my hours were taking up more time uh, than I could afford with our budding family, with Mike's uh, horrendous schedule that he had as trauma director, uh, that I needed a different profession (laughs) (laughs) where I my family more because Mike was gone so much. So I started coaching volleyball and did that until about 10 years ago. And, uh, and now I'm retired as well. And, um, so we have, we have, uh, four children, uh, three of, uh, which, well, now two are in, uh, Omaha with us and, one is in Sioux City, and one is in Colorado. And uh, and I also have uh, a brother and sister left in Kansas City. Any grandchildren yet? 
Uh, yes, and we have uh, five granddaughters. Ah, this sounds like me. I have uh, raised four boys to adulthood. I use that term loosely a lot of times, adult. And uh, God blessed me with two beautiful daughters-in-law and three gorgeous granddaughters. So I am very pleased with my family, too. So it's fun to hear that uh, that you have granddaughters, too. They they are the best. Yeah, so uh, I, it's kind of an interesting segue. Um, I don't know many nurses that also uh, coached volleyball. Uh, were you a volleyball player in high school or college? No. Uh, in Kansas City, the high school where I went, it was a Catholic high school, and they had no sports at all for girls. And the only trouble I got into when I was in high school was sneaking into the gym. <laughs> okay. So were you approached by a school or a traveling league? No, to I loved athletics, but like I say, there were no teams. And so when I uh, started working in the nursery intensive care in Kansas City, uh, one of the neonatologists' wife had gotten injured playing, and they asked if anybody knew how to play volleyball, and I lied and raised my hand, and I got her spot, and they taught me everything <laughs> I needed to Oh, that's perfect. So much for volunteering, I guess. That's a great story. So again, I told the listeners, you know, right from the top of uh, the show that the reason I have you on is that uh, you two decided to take a trip to Jerusalem. So Mike, do you want to tell the listeners um, how this trip came about before we get into arriving there and discovering that, that the area is at war? Sure. I, uh, I frequented uh, daily Mass at uh, St. Mary Magdalene's in uh, Omaha. That's where I went to church uh, during my college days. And uh, I uh, met a, uh, a gal in passing, and uh, she told me that uh, she was going to take a trip to uh, Israel, to the Holy Land, and she said that, uh, that Joanne and I should go and sign up, and uh, she told us all about the tour. It was a Omaha-based tour group called Holy Land Tours, and uh, uh, we, after considerable consideration, <clears throat> since we haven't been hadn't really done anything since my retirement, we, uh, we decided to sign up, and it uh, it happened within about 24, 48 hours, and we were after that we were all set to go. So was the Holy Land trip on a bucket list, or was it more this woman who just said, gee, I think you guys would benefit from going to the Holy Land? Well, it's, it's been on my uh, bucket list for quite some time, but I certainly haven't advertised it. It was just coincidental that uh, the trip was going to take place uh, within less than a month uh, before we signed up. Things just fell into place uh, really quite well. Well, and I guess, you, you know, Mike, you said that it, you hadn't advertised the trip to, to other people, like, I'd really want to do that. But what about you, Joanna? Was the uh, Holy Land uh, a destination for you? Were you thinking at some point in your life? Well, we had been on a um, tour, actually, with, Mike's brother, Paul, and their families, 
and um, to Rome, and I loved it. And like Mike said, we hadn't been on a vacation for at all mm-hmm. for probably about six or eight years. And so, but when Mike first told me about this and our friend, uh, I was very leery about going because I had some uh, health issues with mobility and I didn't know if I could do it. And uh, our friend told us that the priest leading the group had arthritis. And so then I perked up. I thought, well, I, I could probably keep up with him. And so I was very excited because I had loved our Rome tour uh, with the religious sites and artifacts there. So um, I was very enthusiastic about going. Yeah, and I think most of our listeners would agree that um, outside of Rome, probably the Holy Land is another place that we'd all like to visit because of our, our faith. So just how long ago was this that you um, signed up? Was it like six months ago or um, a year ago? Or I, Again, I'm not sure. Um, it was just a couple of months ago. So like in September-ish, maybe? Yes. Okay, so you were able to to put it together pretty quickly. God bless uh, the Holy Land tour folk out of, out of Omaha that you were able to do that. So you you get everything together, and um, when did you leave for the Holy Land? On October second. Okay, so and where did you fly out of? Was it like at Omaha to? It was Omaha. Uh, and that's what was very nice about that, um, because they're, they have another base, but they're also based, the tour company is based in Omaha. Okay, so out of Omaha, and then um, what was the next stop? Was it like Atlanta or New York? Or yeah, that, That's correct. We, uh, we met all the uh, people who are going to take part uh, in the tour about uh, a month before that. And uh, there were about 32 of us total, and uh, everybody was from the Omaha area uh, and Council Bluffs. <clears throat> and there were one or two that were from, uh, one was from the uh, eastern part of the state of Iowa, and then there was also one from Florida. So it was, a, uh, it was nice meeting everybody about a month before. We, uh, Father uh, Damien Wee was the d- director, and we had a little meeting uh, over in Blair, Nebraska, where he's a uh, uh, head, pa- head pastor. Okay, so did you know anyone else when you got together with the other 30 people? We just knew one person, the one that talked us into the trip. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> perfect. So uh, getting ready to go, um, Joanna, you said you were a little bit leery because of the mobility issues, but did you have any other concerns about safety or diet or any other concerns? Um, not really. Um, they had told us that in the meetings and in communications that things appeared to be very safe there and that uh, the people of Israel did not want to have any trouble because their economy depended heavily on the tourism uh, that they had there. Um, 
so um, they weren't expecting any, the tour group was not expecting any trouble. And um, so we felt pretty safe uh, going. I mean, it was always kind of in the back of the mind of my mind that you know that's always been a, a country of conflict. Sure. Um, but I, I hadn't heard anything on the news regarding Israel, um, so I wasn't particularly concerned. How about you, Mike? The only thing they said was to take plenty of one dollar bills and. <laughs> When I got back from taking the trip, I I did talk to the, the director, and I told him that inflation has set in <laughs> over <laughs> Israel, too, and taking more $5 bills and $10 bills will get you further than the uh, $1 bills. This is good to know. <laughs> what about your family? Because uh, a lot of times my adult sons will enlighten me with, haven't you ever thought about this, Mom or Dad? Haven't you thought about this, you know, what you're doing? And so did the family say anything like that to you guys? Well, overall, they were very excited for us because they've known that since I retired, I hadn't, I've only been to uh, Colorado and uh, before that, I was working, um, uh, you know, qu- quite long hours. And uh, besides taking the, the trip to uh, Rome, we really hadn't uh, had any side trips or anything. So they were very excited for us that we were going to fly out of the country. Okay, terrific. So October 2nd comes, and you get on the plane in Omaha, and then is, it, is the next stop Atlanta? Yes. Yes. Okay. And then from Atlanta, did you fly right into Jerusalem? Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so you land in Tel Aviv, and it's a long flight. We know this. And you deep plane, and then what happens? Well, we uh, met the tour guide who met us there, and they put us all, all our luggage and <clears throat> all the passengers on the on the. Uh, bus, and before we even went to the hotel, uh, he wanted to show us a, a Saint, the Church of St. Peter's. So we <laughs> we hadn't, hard, you know, hardly anybody had any sleep, but we started out seeing uh, St. Peter's, which was a very, very nice church. That was, apparently, he uh, raised uh, Tabitha or, or somebody from the dead there in, at the site. So the, uh, a nice, beautiful church was built uh, in his honor there. Then after that, we proceeded to the, uh, the hotel, and they, they let us uh, have supper and, uh, and then told us to go to bed because we had a busy day the next day. Yeah, I imagine so. And jet lag, it is. It's a huge uh, toll on one's body. So now it's the next day, and are things still normal Yes, yeah, um, very much so. It we, the bombing happened, um, I think, on the seventh, and so we were there several days uh, before uh, anything. We heard anything, and uh, at that particular time, when things got a little bit suspicious, our tour guide, who tour guide, who was fantastic and so knowledgeable. Um, about everything, uh, was spending a lot of time on the phone. 
And so um, he apologized for that, and he said there was a situation. And so that's all we knew initially. And um, and so we continued on, and he said when he, they finally told us what happened, they said that was very far away, and um, we were going to continue on. Yes, he said we had about a 150-mile cushion. Uh, we were in Tel Aviv at the time, and uh, as the uh, day progressed, uh, they did mention that the airport had been closed down and uh, Delta Airlines and the rest of them were canceling all uh, flights into the Tel Aviv. And he was quick to emphasize that uh, that war had been declared on Hamas, but he said that before any action will take place, it'll be at least three or four days before uh, any troops or any mobilization of the uh, any ground forces could be uh, uh, could take place. So he said that we'll we'll be safe uh, from from at least three or four days. And then he said that he wouldn't be able to guarantee anything beyond that. So he uh, changed our trip around, and we uh, this, the trip the actual trip was cut short for about two or three days. But uh, what we saw uh, was well worth the trip, and I would, I would certainly go back. Well, that's that's high praise then. So when did um, things really start to escalate where they they said, you know, we're going to have to get you folks out of here? Well, uh, the outside world knew much more than we did. I'm, I'm talking about Sioux City and Omaha. Because, <laughs> right. Because uh, people really started getting nervous for us, and... Uh, we were unaware of, of, of everything that was going on, of course. Uh, and several phone calls had been made from Sioux City, uh, uh, from the church and from the Queen of Peace, and uh, in Omaha from the Jewish Community Center and from uh, various other people uh, calling the st- state representatives. Uh, they they uh, called uh, Don Bacon's office. And uh, and uh, I did get a call uh, in the middle of the night from a uh, Mr. Wright, who said he representative uh, rep- represented uh, uh, Don Bacon, and he said that uh, right now, uh, if you're in really a lot of this distress, that you could uh, we could get you out of there. But he says at this point in time, there is nothing organized officially to uh, remove anybody, uh, even though that the uh, Tel Aviv airport was uh, closed. Uh, I don't, I see, and I ask him, well, what does it mean if you're stressed out because uh, a lot of people are are concerned? And uh, he says, well, uh, he says they just haven't uh, uh, gotten any uh, evacuation program set up yet. So he said, if you're really concerned, you can go over to the American embassy. But he couldn't guarantee that at that point in time that they would uh, uh, evacuate us. But we did have to officially uh, 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 respond 
to the uh, American Embassy and, and let, had to fill out the online form that uh, we were we were in the area. Now, was this just for you two, or was it for all of the uh, pilgrims on your trip that needed to do this? Well, all the pilgrims. All the pilgrims, and they felt from the get-go that it would be better to act as a group as opposed to individuals um, because people had looked into finding their own flights, um, and uh, we had offers of uh, uh, from the UAE to get what from some family to get us on one of those planes and get us home and but it was still up in the air how would we get to the how would we get to the that area to fly out and all of that was pretty much up in the air and then the decision was made that we would cross into Jordan and fly out of Jordan and um and that was kind of scary in itself was crossing the border because when we arrived, um, there was big long lines at the border. And uh, our guide said we were going to have to wait, so we may as well go get lunch. And when we got back, there was our bus and another bus, and they were only going to let one through the crossing. And when they let the other bus go ahead of us, my heart kind of dropped, and uh, but then they decided to let us go through, too. So we said on that bus many, many, many prayers of thanksgiving. <laughs> so we were pretty excited to make it across the border. Oh, I would imagine so. And were you getting also phone calls? Because obviously in this technology day and age, um, I can take my cell phone and call somebody, you know, in another country, as long as I'm kind of cognizant of the time change. But were you getting phone calls from family members who were perhaps getting a bit frantic? Yeah, my son had called me several times. Uh, he's a general surgeon in Omaha, and uh, uh, he had called me, but <clears throat> I was taking texts from all my brothers. It's interesting that my my older brother John uh, was planning a, a trip to the Holy Land as well. And on uh, we left on a uh, Monday morning, and then I think that he was going to fly out of Kansas City on Tuesday, but uh, uh, or soon, just when the, 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 the missile started flying, and after that Hamas incident, and his flight was uh, to uh, Israel was canceled, so he he had been texting me uh, uh, several times, but you know they most of them had forgotten what time of day it was because I had to respond to them in the middle of the night all night long, and it was two or three o'clock in the afternoon for them, so they didn't care about <laughs> getting a hold of me. Oh, but that really shows the the family connection that they're concerned. And like I said, in this day and age with the technology, you just so easily can call individuals who are halfway across the globe. So now we've got you uh, somewhere crossing the border into Jordan. And uh, kind of what is going on there? And I guess I'm curious is, 
you know, what was the atmosphere like? Did it look like uh, a war zone or just did it look like a normal area? Well, the day before, uh, we went on a, a, a tour uh, to Nazareth and, and everything was fine. On the way back, to uh, we we're stayed, currently staying in Jerusalem, so from the trip from Nazareth down to Jerusalem, uh, we went. We drove through an area of an encampment, and I had never in my life have I seen so many cars parked in fields and along the highways. And uh, with that in mind, there were uh, troops all over the place, as well as uh, uh, tanks and uh, jeeps. And so it was a staging area. And I think that when uh, they weren't they weren't there in the in the morning when we drove north, but when we were driving south back toward Jerusalem, I think that's when uh, our tour guide thought it'd be better to uh, uh, skedaddle out of the out of there. So we we stayed in uh, Jerusalem uh, overnight. We got a uh, in one of the hotels. I can't remember which one it was. Um, there was a, uh, a printed message that if we heard an alarm go off, that we were to uh, go uh, to the nearest stairwell and go halfway down and wait for 10 minutes. And so uh, after we saw that, uh, it was it was time to eat. And so uh, Joanne and I went down to the, uh, the, the great buffet where there's 250, 300 people. And uh, sure enough, the alarm goes off while we were eating, and uh, people were yelling at us to uh, go into the uh, kitchen. Well, it's kind of hard to get 250, 300 people in in the kitchen. So people were scrambling over each other, uh, trying to get in there. And then all the the bus boys and uh, uh, were all laughing because they knew that it was a false alarm. Okay. Everybody went back to their to their desserts and uh, continued eating. But uh, <laughs> that was the only thing that, that really caught us uh, by surprise. However, the next morning when we were heading toward Jordan, uh, there was a huge plume of smoke just north of uh, Jerusalem that uh, several of us saw. And uh, it, it was too large to be a house fire, so I'm pretty sure it was one of the missiles that had gotten through. And once you crossed the border into Jordan, then what kinds of things took place then? It was pretty much uh, a normal seeming situation. Um, I'm not that well versed on Middle East history, um, but the Jordanians were nothing but nice and pleasant and very helpful. And um, it, it was a pleasant stay in Jordan, although we were still concerned because we didn't know what was going to happen. But they were nothing but nice and accommodating. It is a Muslim country, though, and uh, they, uh, they we were advised not to leave the hotel and go out on go out any do any excursions or any walking or anything like that. However, while we were there in Jordan for two or three days. Uh, waiting for our uh, airplane flights to get uh, straight ground. Uh, 
we we were hooked up with another guide, and he took us to uh, an area in Jordan where the Jordan River is, and uh, where Moses uh, was led by God up up on top of the hill to uh, oversee the uh, uh, future land where he was going to the promised land where he he and uh, all the Jews are going to meet or live. But uh, that's as far as he got, apparently, because uh, that's where where he died. And they, to this day, they cannot find his uh, remains or where he was buried. Yeah, I, I remember um, reading about that, uh, that that's, that's still something that's a quest for a lot of people. Um, I, I, I must give a shout-out to your tour guide that uh, was able to orchestrate much of this and to get you into Jordan and find a hotel for your, your 32 souls, someplace to stay. Did he kind of share with all of you, you know, how he was handling all of this? Well, I think most of that was the tour company okay. that made uh, arrangements. Um, and the tour guide, I'm assuming, but I'm not positive, was not part of that tour company, but, I, and, but hired by uh, the tour company. But they had probably used him several times because he was well-versed and very personable with our group. And mentioning the group, I have to say that it was the most pleasant, enjoyable group that I've ever been a part of for anything. (laughs) They were just phenomenal and very, uh, very helpful to me and everyone else for different things. And it was just a pleasure to be with that group of people and the two priests that uh, were part of our group. With the tour guys really fighting two battles because he had been a tour guide for uh, 30, 20, 30 years. And uh, he pretty well been through some previous situations, but he had a family uh, living uh, south of Tel Aviv, as did the bus driver whose name was uh, Raphael. And uh, both of them were just very concerned and, and at times very distracted because both of them were on the phone. So they were planning things and keeping things from us. Uh, so there wasn't anybody that got uh, overexcited on the, on the bus. So for that, I'm uh, very grateful. Well, yeah, maybe all of us have watched far too much television to see people short-circuit when things aren't going well, and you both are in a situation that it's, it's extremely not going well. And did, was there a time where uh, you were concerned for your safety, or were things just kind of seeming to progress in a, in a positive fashion that you felt somewhat confident that this was all going to work out? Well, there's just one time uh, in the hotel in Jordan, and uh, we were doing uh, uh, adoration, and the uh, the candle went out. And so I went out into the lobby trying to find a, another candle, and uh, nobody had one. And they said, but there's a store about two, two or three blocks away that will have candles so I was, I and I was supposed to stay in the hotel, and but I was out just outside, uh, outside the door, walking away, and 
there were three deacons on the uh, trip with us, and one of the deacons from uh, Council Bluffs uh, came out the door and said, "I, I he found a he found a candle laying on the ground." <laughs> so, so I uh, he told me to come back, and and uh, one of the one of the women uh, told me again that I was not supposed to leave the hotel. So I think that was a little miracle that happened. Yeah, I would say that was the Holy Spirit working in mysterious ways. I mean, what are the chances? Here's a candle, you know, so you could continue on with adoration. And the deacon finds the candle. Right, yeah, even even bigger. So now you're in Jordan for a few days, and you're hearing, I think, what's going on, and now you're hearing from us folks back here in the States who are enlightening you because we've got access to every kind of news media imaginable and pictures, and we are seeing what's going on. So how many days were you in Jordan before um, you took off and headed back to the States? I think two, two nights we were there, and, uh, and they were getting people's flights organized, and we found out that Mike and I were not on the same flight, and I was actually going to be on a flight by myself, and I was not real happy about that, um, and God loved the, the uh, tour company, uh, because I called him, and I don't think the guy had had sleep for a couple of days, and he spent 45 minutes with me on the phone trying to find a flight where Mike and I could fly together. And every time he'd find one before we finished the final computer click, it would disappear because someone else had got beaten him on the computer to get that flight. But he eventually got us one, and um, unfortunately, it was a 16-hour flight, the longest leg uh, from uh, Qatar. Qatar or Doha. I can't remember which, and, um, but I can't complain because I'm so thankful that we got out of there safely and uh, that it was pretty grueling. Uh, flight to do, and uh, and there was a girl that had become sick on our trip and was hospitalized, and her husband flew out there in the midst of all of this and stayed with her. They were the last two to leave. I think we got back on Sunday, and they got back on the following Thursday. So everybody in our group was praying like crazy that those two would get out of there uh, safely, and they did. Oh, praise God. That's great news. So it sounds like um, of your 32 people, everybody was put on different flights. Am I understanding that correctly, to get out of there? Well, there was one large group of about 12 I think. Um, I don't know that that's the exact number, but there was a large group and then a couple smaller groups. And uh, and eventually, they they got everybody out with safely. Phew. But you two were the only ones on the flight, that, the 16-hour flight? 
That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Most of them flew to Paris, I think, eventually. Yes, and then well. and then back, and um, that was quite a bit shorter flight. I think like nine hours. Sure. And so your flight was from where to where to where? Well, some of the the place Doha, Doha, I've never heard of, and. It was Qatar Airlines, and I don't know if we flew out of Qatar or into Qatar. I can't even remember. And everything is in Arabic on our paperwork. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's a nice memento of the trip then. (laughs) What English country did you finally land in? (laughs) Uh, We went to Dallas, Fort Worth. Okay. And so you touched back on American soil when? We left on Sunday, and we arrived on Sunday. Yep, because Israel Okay. October 15th, I think we arrived back home. Okay, and there was much joy, I imagine, from the family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, there was. Yes, there was. So as you reflect back on this, experience, which is absolutely astonishing. What, what did you take away from this trip? It wasn't so much the struggle we had getting home and being scared. It was being able to touch the site where Jesus was born and uh, being able to walk the path of the passion. And Mike and I were well, as were the other people in our group, we renewed our baptismal vows in the River Jordan, and we um, renewed our wedding vows in Cana. And, I mean, that's that's just, I mean, it just almost makes me cry to think of it. Oh, that is lovely. And was there enough wine in Cana? <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen the jars. They actually show the jars. They they must weigh uh, there's long or large cylinders with a small uh, hole in them, but the cylinders are probably uh, twelve to fourteen inches thick, and, and nobody could lift those jars. I, no. mean, I bet not. I couldn't resist that. That was just like a Burns and Allen opening skit there for <laughs> me. So. That is wonderful, Mike. Would you add something else? Agree. Well, I think the uh, thing that hit me the the most was that this was not a sightseeing trip. You know, this was a pilgrimage, and that uh, every every time you'd go around the corner and you'd see a different site that where where Jesus actually was and where Joseph and Mary were, it uh, it it took you back and it got pretty emotional for me and a lot of people, and. Uh, it's something that uh, I certainly want to do again, and uh, I would recommend a trip for anybody that can. It's in pretty good good health to, to, to do it because uh, it's something that you won't regret. I don't regret going to this day, even though we got slowed down a little bit. Granted, we made it out, but, uh, you know, we were uh, approached by some group of, of uh people uh, that would uh, supply us with armed guards for $10,000 and we'd fly out of a 
airplane uh, south of the uh, of Tel Aviv, closer to the Gaza Strip. And of course, we uh, we uh, thought we'd be better off to go north to Jordan. But uh, overall, uh, it was a very very religious trip, and uh, I think the thing that that one of the things I enjoyed the most was uh, we uh, got on a uh, old wooden boat, and uh, they raised the American flag along with the Israeli flag, and we floated out on the Sea of Galilee. Then they turned the engines off, and we just floated there for 15, 20 minutes or so. And it was the most peaceful experience I've had in my life. Well, all of this is just such a powerful testament to your trip over there. Everything you've shared with the listeners, um, I know, has resonated with them. It certainly uh, made me get goosebumps, and uh, just my heart is full that you you both were so willing to take time and share this experience with our listeners, which is somewhat out of the ordinary of a, a usual pilgrimage to the Holy Land. So thank you both so very much for taking time to to share your experiences on this trip. Uh, Dr. Mike Wolpert and his wife, Joanna Wolpert, thank you both so very much. You're welcome. Thank you. And we'll share a bottle of wine sometime. Ah, I would love that. I'd be all up for that. (laughs) So, listeners, that wraps up another edition of Faith in Action. Uh, Again, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to our show. And I'm just going to toss that out there. Of course, I was aware of what was going on with Mike and Joanna because somebody told me. So if you have ever an idea for a show and you think this would be great, I think other listeners would like to hear this story, then just reach out to us at FHCRadio at FHCRadio.com. So, um, like I said, that wraps up another edition of Faith in Action. I'm your host, Joanne Fox. And again, a big shout out to Mary's Choice, a pregnancy resource center here in Sioux City that is the exclusive underwriter of this show. So on behalf of myself and my executive producer, Ann Reed, I want to remind you that a faithful reaction is good, but faith in action is so much better. Thanks for listening, and God bless.